gonna find myself in times of trouble. Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. 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 Whisper words of wisdom. Let it be. When the broken-hearted people living in the world agree, there will be an answer. Let it be. But though they may be parted, there is still a chance that they will see. There will be an answer. Let it be. Plaza Direct King's Court starts now.
Well, I've won and lost against the best. This old road's been a hell of a test. I'm still driving. I ain't slowing down. There's rules I'd love to break and bend. Mistakes I've made again and again. But I tell you this, my friends, I'm still around. I hit it hard, man. So far, man. No laying up, no holding back. And a good Monday morning, St. Louis and all parts northeast, south, and west. We welcome you in. I'm Kevin Slayton. This is the Window World King's Court on KevinSlaytonShow.com. If you're looking for something else, you're in the wrong place, leave us. But otherwise, pull up a chair, sit by the fireplace. It's a nice, crisp fall morning. Get that fire going early and relax, settle in, maybe even a glass of wine early in the morning. Because you're going to hear the truth today, as you do every day. Unvarnished, backed by facts and evidence, right here and only here. Now, that's quite a statement to make, isn't it? But if you sample any other broadcasts around the country, you'll find out it's true. We back it with facts and evidence. We're not afraid to hear from you. Our phone lines are always open, 636-538-0746, 538-0746. That's a lost part of talk radio around this country. Everyone's afraid to hear from the listeners. We're not. We hope if you disagree, you will call. Make your point. Back it up. But the liberals are mostly cowards. So A, they won't call. B, they know they have nothing to say. But we welcome it. We welcome it because we'll try to show you that you have nothing to say. Don't be afraid. It's only a phone call. Nobody's going to bite your head off. 636-538-0746. 636-538-0746. Well, I'd like to hear a liberal defend, <laughs> for instance, the whatever you call him now. I mean, what is he, a vegetable? Whatever whatever status Biden has reached, he's now fear-mongering about Armageddon. I mean, these people can fear-monger with the best of them, can't they? Lee Zeldin, congressman in New York running for governor, had two people shot on his front yard yesterday. This is incredible. Now, don't you wonder if it's not the wonderfully kind and unifying words of Biden and his cronies? Mega Republicans are dangerous to the country. They're a threat to democracy. They're deplorables. So they come after Republicans. That's twice now. Lee Zeldin has been attacked or his family has been attacked twice since he began to run for governor. Did you ever hear of that before in your lifetime? I haven't. I really haven't. Monica Crowley is going to talk about the dismissal of about 6,500 people in federal prison. Biden's claims he'll pardon them because they're there for pot convictions. That's a lie. Don't believe that. They're there because they had more serious crimes that they were found going to be found guilty of, and they struck a plea deal. But that plea deal included prison time for the heinous crimes they committed. So they pled to a misdemeanor marijuana charge, but did the prison time. Or, excuse me, 
were doing the prison time. There's not a single case that we found or any experts have found that I've listened to that has a prisoner in federal prison because of a pot charge. Now, as Bill Bennett explains, the pot today is a lot worse, 60, 70 times stronger than it was back in the 60s. So it's a danger. And as he also pointed out, the fentanyl is a real danger, especially at Halloween when the fentanyl tablets are disguised as candy. 108,000 people died last year from fentanyl. Not overdoses, because it's only a single dose that will kill you. That's all you need. And as Bill Bennett said, no one went from zero to fentanyl. They all started with pot. Every one of the drug addicts in this world started with pot. You can count on it. Of course, that's my opinion based on all the evidence that's available. If there's someone out there who jumped to LSD, well, we don't know about them. But you can count on pot being the starting ground. But does Biden care? I will give anybody out there, if you can respond right away, I don't want you looking it up. I'll give you whatever, name your price. If you can tell me who the drug czar is in the in the Biden regime. I'm, I'm sure you can't because it probably doesn't exist. Bill Bennett was the drug czar for many, many years. So that's an issue. And we're coming up on Halloween. Auto Plaza Direct. Whoops, King's Court starts now. You know, some of these computers, if you barely touch something, they're awfully sensitive. So are the TV remotes, I've noticed. I flipped one over by accident and it changed the channel. I want to go back to the days when we actually had to get up and change the channel. It's better for fitness. Much better. We've, we caught some liberals with an attack of honesty this weekend. Yeah, that's right. It was uh, sudden and without warning. But an outbreak of honesty occurred with Alyssa Slotkin. She is a congresswoman from Michigan. We'll let you hear that a little bit later on. Katie Hobbs is running for governor in Arizona against Carrie Lake. Now I understand why Katie Hobbs never appears in public. She's the Democrat who thinks that she's so talented and so good and so well-loved that she never has to appear. She takes a page out of Biden's playbook. Well, she did appear, and now she regrets it, I guarantee you. We'll let you hear why. We'll hear directly from an abortion protester, one who is in favor of abortion. You're going to love that. And you'll love heels up telling you what abortion is really all about. Cori Bush is actually going to come along and make the case for pro-life. What? Oh, yeah. And Nikki Haley and Mike Pompeo will weigh in on Biden's irresponsible Armageddon remarks. But the real question is, is Biden compromised by China? Ron Johnson, the senator from Wisconsin, says yes, and he'll explain why. Nikki Haley also says yes. That's good enough for me, really. Do you see where Glenn Youngkin, the governor of Virginia, told all the public schools, here's the way it's going to be. Children use the bathrooms of the gender they were born with. No more of this guys going in the little girl's room. Not going to happen. Not in Virginia. Now, people think that's controversial. What's controversial about that? Why has it become controversial that a governor says, hey, little boys, you go to their boys' restroom. 
Little girls, you go to the girls' restroom. This is how insane this country has become. That's controversial. (laughs) That's when you know we're effed up, beyond help. That's controversial, but teaching critical race theory is not. Teaching five-year-olds to have gender-altering surgery, that's not controversial. It all depends who controls the media. You know, we can win, win, win at the ballot box all we want. Whoever controls the media controls the message. And we know who controls that. Well, before we go any further, we want to tell you about our good friends from Window World who can keep you insulated this winter when your heating bills are going to skyrocket. You think gas prices are high. Where do you see the heating bills coming your way? Well, Window World can help that. They help me. I made the phone call, folks. You can have them come out to your house, give you a free in-home estimate, Let them prove that they're simply the best for less by calling them at 314-993-1800. 314-993-1800. That's what I did. And I got the preferred window of the Blues, the official window of the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs play tonight on Monday Night Football. Maybe they'll have some Window World windows up there. Maybe in the suites. Probably do, actually. But I have them in my house. And you know why? Because hail broke through my windows. So I called Window World. They came out and they proved it to me. Not only that, they give you a lifetime warranty that covers all parts, glass breakage, and labor. Now, they can do that because they use double-strength glass. It's not an upsell. You don't pay extra for it. It's the way they do business. That's their window. Now, here's the key. I mentioned heating costs. My utilities came way down. Air conditioning bills, electric bills in the summer, heating bills in the winter came way down. You know why? Because my new Window World windows... Don't let my furnace heat escape during the winter and the cold air coming in, thus shooting my utility bills through the roof. Same in the summer, the air conditioning cool air stays in, doesn't go out and let the hot air in. My air conditioner doesn't run 24-7. My furnace doesn't run 24-7. It's a great formula. And boy, is this a good time to get it. 314-993-1800, Window World will come out to that house of yours and give you a free in-home estimate. Now, they also offer you 18 months, same as cash financing with approved credit. 314-993-1800. If you want the best windows and if you want the best price, by the way, the price, I, I hardly even mentioned that, but it blows the competition away. They're not even in the same ballpark. Trust me on that. And Window World has won the J.D. Power Award. It's, it's pretty incredible, isn't it? The best windows. J.D. Power Award isn't just given to anybody. You have to be number one in customer satisfaction among window and patio door retailers. You have to lead in with best award-winning, highest, or top in place of number one. You have to be ranked number one in customer satisfaction among window and patio door retailers. Ranked number one in price, ordering and delivery, sales staff, and service. You have to be all of that to get the J.D. Power Award. And guess who got it? Window World. The best. 314-993-1800. That'll get you, that phone uh, That phone call will get you a free in-home estimate. Doesn't get much better than that, right? Well, uh, we'll get into Biden here, but momentarily we'll touch on the Cardinals. They had their playoff series Friday and Saturday. Lost both games to the Phillies. Some of the worst managing you'll ever see. Ali Marmol, the Cardinals' Little League manager, who manages for cheap. That's why he's got the job. 
who can be controlled by Moselock. That's why he's got the job. Completely gagged and panicked when the first sign of pressure showed up. Friday's game, the Cardinals took a two-run lead into the ninth inning and had one out. And their closer, Ryan Helsley, decided he would do his best imitation of Rick Ankiel and could not find the plate. Couldn't have found the plate with a GPS machine. He couldn't, he couldn't locate the plate. So he walks two guys, gave up a hit, walks two guys, bases loaded now, one out. Don't you take him out? Of course you do. But it was Marmol who tried to get more than one inning out of Gallegos in relief and then tried to get more than one inning out of Helsley, and Helsley hit a wall. These guys are so conditioned. They're such panty wastes. They're so conditioned to pitching one inning. Oh, my God, you want me to throw more than one inning? It's not in my contract. And then when you ask him to throw more than one inning, you can count on disaster. So he knew that, Marmol did, and did it anyway. And then left him in after the bases were loaded with one out and two walks. What did he do? He hits the next guy. Now it's a two-to-one game. Bases still loaded, one out. What does he do? Draws his infield in. You do not draw your infield in in that scenario. You're still ahead. You play them a double play depth. The ground ball turns into a game-ending double play, and you escape with a victory. But he plays them in. Doesn't remove Helsley. What happens? A seeing-eye single just out of the grasp of second base that would have been a double play had you had your defense back. Or, at worst, a force out, two outs, a tie ball game. Instead, because of Marmol's panicking, two-run single, now you're losing and you lost. Pretty embarrassing that they could have lost that like that. And, of course, you knew they were dead after that. And certainly they were. Shut out the next night by Aaron Nola. Cardinals' big hitters, Goldschmidt, Arenado, did nothing. Hitless in the series. Arenado hit into a little bit of tough luck. Goldschmidt was lost like he has been for six weeks. Goldschmidt's last at bat, he swung at three pitches that were never strikes. Never strikes. Left men on base and scoring position. This could be the time to trade Goldschmidt. He's getting older. He's coming off one of his best seasons ever. Trade him because this team needs a total and complete overhaul. People say, wait a minute. They just won the division. They won the worst division in baseball. Two teams in that division had over 100 losses, and then you had the Cubs to boot. And Milwaukee's no great shakes. They didn't make the playoffs either. So that division is nothing, okay? If you want to contend for a World Series, which the Cardinals, I'm telling you here right now, do not. They want to contend if they can do it by accident, but not by spending the necessary money to do it. They continually believe they have Willie Mays in their minor league system. They do not. They continue to think they have Cy Young in their minor league system. They did, but they traded him. His name is Sandy Alcantara. He's with Miami probably the best pitcher in the National League this year. Zach Gallen, he's in Arizona, one of the top five pitchers in the National League this year. He was also traded to Miami, also in the same deal. John the Great Moselock traded Alcantara and Gallen to the Miami Marlins for who? Ozuna. While Ozuna's not beating up girls, he's playing in Atlanta hitting about 210. He's so bad they don't even start him anymore. And he left here after one year. 
This is the kind of thing that needs to end with the Cardinals, and that means Moselock needs to go, but he'll never go. You ask to scratch your head, and you ask yourself, why? Why? And when the Cardinals say, well, look at all our playoff appearances, that's all they care about. They don't care about winning a World Series. If they do it, like they did in 2011, completely because of the miracle of David Freeze, oh, yeah, we're great. Cardinals did nothing to win that World Series. In fact, LaRusso was going to bench David Freeze before the Milwaukee Series. He was talked out of it. So those are your Cardinals. They need a complete overhaul. They need to sign Wilson Contreras immediately, the Cubs catcher who's a free agent. They need to then get themselves um, Ozzie Smith. Oh, I'm sorry, Ozzie won't come back. He won't play again. So now they need to sign Carlos Correa. He's also a free agent, shortstop with the Twins, was with the Astros. Sign those two free agents immediately the day free agency begins. And then do everything you can to get two more stud starting pitchers. Now, who's going to give up pitching? You never know. Cardinals did. No team in baseball is worse at evaluating their own talent than the St. Louis Cardinals are. They constantly think their talent is better than it is, and then when they have two stars, they trade them away. And they traded Randy Rosarina to Tampa Bay for Libertor, this left-handed pitcher. He was supposed to be great, wasn't he? He gets rocked every time he goes out. Another failure. You cannot keep having these failures and think you're going to ever build a winner, a consistent winner that competes for a World Series, like Houston, like the Dodgers, like the Yankees, like the Braves now, and like the Mets this year until the Mets got derailed by San Diego. San Diego went all in at the trade deadline. And here they are in the division series. Cardinals aren't. Cardinals traded for two journeyman pitchers. Two guys who combined for six wins when they were traded. Six wins at the end of July. Combined. And those ended up being their aces. (laughs) So time to deal. Time to deal by starting with this. Moselock is fired today before lunchtime. But he won't be. And you say, what? What do the Cardinals have to fear from this guy? Does he have pictures? What does he have? Because he hasn't justified the job. That's my Cardinal rant. Now to Biden. With Putin threatening nuclear war and Biden fear-mongering, everybody, every kid is diving under their desk at school like they were in the 50s. But then you say to yourself, okay, our nukes are better than theirs. If they if they start something, we'll finish it. But guess who has the nuclear codes? Guess who has the finger that launches nuclear weapons? Wuhan Willie Otalabiden. Yep, the guy who struggles with simple math. Let me start off with two words. Made in America. Made in America. Let me think now. Made is one. In is two. America is three. But he said, let me make sure he said that. Let me start off with two words. Yep. Made in America. Made in America. The guy's retarded. Let me start off with two words. Made in America. What the hell is wrong with you? This is the guy that controls the nuclear weapons of the United States of America. He doesn't even know how many words are in the phrase made in America. If that doesn't scare you, I don't know what does.
I really don't. I mean, made in America, two words. Two, count them, Joe, two. You freaking dope. I'll tell you, he's retarded. There's really something missing in this guy. And then he went on to do some more fear-mongering after the comments about Armageddon, which he made, that were, that were closer to Armageddon. <laughs> I mean, let me get it to you exactly so that I don't have to guess. Uh, I don't even want to paraphrase this moron. He said, we have not, we are, we have not faced the prospect of Armageddon since Kennedy and the Cuban Missile Crisis, but we're facing it now. That's not fear mongering, is it? No. And then Biden went on to say that Republicans are socialists. Socialists. I didn't know there were that many socialist Republicans. Think about it. I'm, I'm serious. He's serious. Let's get serious about it. Let's get serious. Take care of ordinary people. Regular people like I grew up. Folks, look, you can't make this stuff up. You got to say, and I got to say, I was surprised to see so many socialists in the Republican caucus. <laughs> and folks, here's the bottom line. Folks. Republicans take control of the Congress. These historic victories we just won for the American people are going to be taken away. What historic victories is this asshat talking about? What Do you feel like we've got historic victories for the American people with him in there? Anybody feel that way? Anybody? Bueller? No one feels that way. He's lying through his teeth. Folks, he says, folks, we got to take care of the ordinary people like I grew up with. Remember, he's just ordinary Joe. I wonder if any of those ordinary people he grew up with have shaken down foreign countries to the tunes of $100 million or so. Who knows how many millions the Bidens have stolen. But I wonder if any of those ordinary people he talks about have done that. Republicans are socialists. What an ass. I've never seen a more desperate president in my life pandering for votes from potheads, pandering for, from, for votes from student loan cancellations, although they're not canceled, remember. You're paying for it. Student loan moving around, the shell game of student loans. I've never seen a guy pander like this. How stupid are people? Do they fall for it? It's always a good idea to release 6,500 people from federal prison who've committed serious crimes but had also been charged with pot possession, and yet he somehow thinks we're dumb enough to think that they're in federal prison on a pot conviction? No, we saw through it. We decided to look into it. It's all plea deals. So you got 6,500 at least more heinous criminals out on the street thanks to this moron. And they won't even vote. If they find out that they could rob something at the voting at the polling places, they'll rob them. These are the kind of people he's putting out on the street. It's unbelievable, isn't it? And by the way, why are we flirting with nuclear war here? Why is he talking about Armageddon? Is anything going on here? There's a war in Ukraine over some little small piece of land whose inhabitants want to be Russian. 
Ukraine is the cause of this war. I'm not even thinking Putin's the bad guy anymore. He's a nut. He's dangerous. But it almost sounds as though when you hear those people say they want, they identify with being Russian, they want to be Russian, they speak Russian, why aren't we Russian? Well, I don't blame them then. Having said that, he would have never tried this with Trump in there. Never. Not in a million years. So we're flirting with a nuclear war over a piece of land that Ukraine says, oh, no, that's ours. And all the people say, we prefer to be Russian. So let's just say that the state of Texas said, we prefer to secede and be an independent state. Would we start a war with them? Would Biden start a war? He might, actually. He's so nuts. But would nuclear warfare even be talked about? Of course not. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. (laughs) It's unreal. It really is. But that's where we stand. And we're on if we're on the brink of that, it's we're on the brink of it because of him. Nothing else, no one else. The insanity continues. And Lee Zeldin, who is the congressman in New York, and he's running for governor, was at a Columbus Day parade with his wife, and on their way home, they got a frantic call from one of their daughters because people were uh, criminals had come to their front door. Listen to his description of the conversation, and then ask yourself, is this the result of Biden's rhetoric? That uber-Republicans, mega-Republicans are a danger to our society. And four of the security cameras uh, had three people in the shot. One was uh, a person who was moving around between all four cameras throughout what is what was about a two-minute span. There were two individuals who were in one of our camera frames, and they didn't move. Uh, these were the two people who were shot. One was underneath our porch. Uh, the other one was underneath a bush that was right in front of our porch. It was interesting because about a day earlier, there was a reporter at our house, and we sat down right there on that porch doing an interview where we were talking about rising crime in New York. And 24 hours to the minute, this shooting took place. The two individuals who were laying down were about 10 feet or so from where my daughters were uh, doing their homework at the kitchen table so much like in ferguson if you remember when the little girl the nine-year-old girl was in her bedroom doing her homework and she was shot by a drive-by now we have in new york two girls 16 year old girls doing their homework at the kitchen table and 10 feet away two people are shot 10 feet away welcome to biden's america welcome to the liberals america And now we're going to put 6,500 more of these kinds of people right back out on the street. And I got news for you. It's not pot that they'll be breaking the law for. We are nothing but a Wild West show.
Except in this case, at least then, the marshals and the sheriffs stood up to the criminals. Now, because of what liberal politicians have done, there are no marshals and sheriffs to stand up to the criminals. And the prosecutors won't charge them anyway. At least Marshal Dillon would have them hung at noon on the city street. And Sheriff Grady Judd down in Polk County, Florida, thinks that's the answer. You shoot him so that he looks like grated cheese. People have a right to be safe in their homes. They have a right for their property to be safe, even when part of their home may be torn away. And these looters, that's unacceptable, absolutely unacceptable. I would highly suggest that if a looter breaks into your home, comes into your home while you're there to steal stuff, that you take your gun and you shoot him. You shoot him so that he looks like grated cheese. Because you know what? That's one looter that won't break into anyone else's home and take advantage of them when they're the most vulnerable and the most weak. Carpe diem to Grady Judd, the sheriff of Polk County. Shoot him so they look like grated cheese. And he won't be breaking into anybody else's home. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. And if Trump were back, that's what would happen. None of this crap would be going on. None of it. And you say, well, how do you know? Here's how I know. He was in there for four years. Did any of this crap happen? Or did it happen the minute he was out? Ask yourself that when you go to vote. When did the crap start? The day Trump left. That's when. Shoot him like, so they look like grated cheese. Carpe diem, Grady Judd. Now here's a dope for you. Here's another liberal running for office, running for governor in Arizona, Katie Hobbs. Our research assistant dug this one up. Now the Hispanic vote in Arizona, as you might expect, is very important. A lot of Hispanics live in Arizona. So Katie Hobbs emerged from her basement after being baited by Kerry Lake many times, what does she think? Why don't you ask her what she thinks? So someone got her on a show, and it was an Hispanic moderator, and he asked her to name one thing, one thing that she's learned from the Hispanic community. One thing. Now, you bubbling buffoon, Katie Hobbs, how many times can you say um while you're trying to answer that simple question? Let's count them. I don't necessarily uh, think about it that way in those terms. I think um, I Two. really value uh, my relationships across the board with um, with, with different folks. And, um, and I learn all the time from, from people uh, in my life. My sister-in-law, um, she is Four. Uh, Latino, and uh, her family, uh, I love hanging out with them and uh, Five. my Espanol. <laughs> Uh, so, um, but Six. yeah, I mean, I, I just, it's, um, Seven. I learned so much from, from her family, Eight. uh, but Nine. I think, um, Ten. It, it, it's really hard to separate out Arizona and subtract Latino culture because it's so much a part of who we are as a state. And, um, and I, and I, Eleven. um, Twelve. I, I, Arizona wouldn't be Arizona without the, the Latino community brings. Fourteen times she said, um, 
um or some derivative like uh and what did she what did she say did she give an answer he wanted one 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 thing that she's learned from the Hispanic community. Well, you know, I, I know how important the Hispanics are. And, and uh, you know, my family, uh, someone I think, one of them is maybe Hispanic. and Or they know somebody who's Hispanic. And I've learned a lot from them. And um, 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 and I've learned, I've just learned. You know, um, um, I've learned about the Hispanics. And it, you know what? Um, Arizona wouldn't be here without Hispanics. Um, that's what she said. Let's give that idiot, as this guy did, one more chance. One thing. One thing, you blubbering idiot. Uh, it's one-third of the state. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I mean, I think there's, there's many lessons. Uh, the, the emphasis on uh, family values, uh, hard work, uh, those are those are something that I value in my own life, and um, you know. And you know, uh, 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 many lessons. Well, name one. What lessons? Don't give me this family values, hard work. That I value that too. Name a lesson. One thing that you've learned from the Hispanics. Did you have to learn from the Hispanics the value of hard work and family values? Really. So that doesn't even count. She can't name one thing. As the moderator told her, Hispanics represent a third of the state. And you can't, all you can say is, oh, and yeah, and they're wonderful. Who would vote for this woman? Honestly, who? And how many Latinos would vote for her? If you're Hispanic and you vote for her, you should never be allowed to vote again. Because you're too damn dumb to vote. My God, what an embarrassment. This is what the liberals put up. And then they go and steal the election and these people win. If you listen to Carrie Lake and then you listen to this buffoon, this utter imbecile, stutter her way through a simple question, there isn't any question who you'd vote for. Just take the Democrat and Republican labels away. Just listen to the two of them. You don't need any any more knowledge. You really don't. And Monica Crowley, who I believe is a very sharp lady, thinks that the reason is obvious why Biden pardoned 6,500 potheads and why uh, this woman tries to pander to Hispanics. The Democrats are desperate. Look, the Democratic Party is hemorrhaging support among core groups. Their longtime constituencies of Latinos, African-Americans, women to a great extent, and also the younger vote is just falling away from the Democratic Party. So between this move on marijuana and the student loan uh, forgiveness, these are two incredibly desperate moves to try to lock in that vote or at least stave off the hemorrhaging. The problem is the rest of us are ending up holding the bag, paying for all of this. How true is that? That's what happens when you have Democrat leadership. We end up paying for all of their crap, all of these spectacular things, these historic things that Biden's achieved for the American person, he said. Again, I would ask Katie Hobbs and any other liberal, name one thing. Name one thing that Biden has done for the American people since he's been in office. Let's even go further. Name one thing that Biden has done for the American people since he's been alive. And by American people, I don't mean the Biden crime syndicate. I mean you and me. 
he hasn't accomplished one thing. Except he got enough people to help him cheat to win an election. Other than that, the man hasn't accomplished a damn thing. They might accomplish us getting into nuclear war. Who knows? But that remains to be seen. I'm doubtful, but it could happen. Now, who's responsible for this mess? The liberals always claim it's Putin or it's Donald Trump or George Bush or Teddy Roosevelt or whoever they want to blame. But it's never them. Until Alyssa Slotkin came along, she's a congresswoman from Michigan, she thinks they are responsible. I, I think they do. Democrats are in power. We're in the White House, in the House, and the Senate, even if it's slim margins. So, sure, I do think that there is a, a rightful skepticism. So, I, I, I own it. What? She owns it? Uh, I'd go a little further than rightful skepticism. I'm not skeptical of whether it's your fault. It is your fault. I'm not skeptical of how this country has gone from such a high status economically, energy, internationally. I'm not skeptical of how, how it's gone from that to this disgraceful, embarrassing standing we have in the world community and at home a, an economy in the tank with inflation runaway, with crime everywhere. I'm not skeptical as to who's caused that. You caused it. You and your constant voting with Schumer and Biden, that's who caused it. You're sucking up to Pelosi, that's who caused it. Now, she claims that she's not that person. She's actually spoken out to, about changing the liberal leadership. I have been very vocal, including with my own leadership in the House, that we need a new generation. We need new blood, period, across the Democratic Party, in the House, the Senate, and the White House. I, I, I think that the country has been saying that. Yes, the country has been. Most notably in Virginia, where Glenn Youngkin defeated the all-time liberal imbecile McAuliffe. But in a deeply blue state, Glenn Youngkin won the governor's job. Why? Common sense. Common sense. He thinks parents should actually have a role in their children's life. Now, you wouldn't think that was controversial, would you? Terry Moran of ABC News. That's right, ABC News, the liberal network. I wonder if he thinks that Biden has lost his Kathy Lee Gifford, you know, the fruit and vegetable gal who says... I was missing my v v v voom. Terry, is Biden missing his? I just think the economic headwinds are so tough. Uh, and, and Biden is, he just doesn't have the oomph as a candidate anymore. People don't really want him around. And he can't really make his case that, that I, I don't think the Democrats are in any better place. No, they're not. He doesn't have the oomph. <laughs> no oomph is coming. Well, I would agree with that. No oomph is there, but no oomph has ever been there with that guy. It's getting scary now when the liberal reporters start pulling away from him, right? But there they were, Terry Moran. And then they trot out their old, worn-out abortion crap. Oh, it's about abortion. The election's going to be about abortion. Abortion this, abortion that. And what greater spokeswoman for anything than Heels Up Harris? Heels Up, tell us again what abortion is all about in your best whiny voice. This is about freedom and liberty. 
at its core, this is about freedom and liberty. And on every level. On every level. At its core, abortion is about freedom and liberty. Really? So you take a living baby with a heartbeat, you slaughter it, you don't murder it, you slaughter it, you chop it into pieces, and you think it's about liberty and freedom? That's what you really think? As I've said many times, I've wrestled with the concept of abortion when it comes to rape and incest, and I will always wrestle with it. But using abortion as birth control, as Cori Bush apparently did when she was pregnant, and other many others, because of the easily, easily available abortion clinics that, by the way, were originally constructed to murder off the black population. Let's never forget that. Margaret Sanger was an unavowed bigot racist who wanted black people exterminated from the earth. Just as Hitler was anti-Semitic, Margaret Sanger was anti-black. They're equal. Margaret Sanger is a female version of Hitler. He didn't like the Jews. She didn't like the blacks. It's pretty much that simple. But why isn't she vilified by liberals? She's their patron saint. Again, I just want to shake black people by the shoulders and say, what in the F are you thinking when you vote for these people? They hate you. They want you dead. They want you, your race obliterated from the earth. And they try over and over. And you sit there and go, hmm, hmm. It's amazing. So that genius Katie Hobbs, who couldn't answer a simple question about one thing she's learned from the Hispanic community, decided that uh, I'll go on uh, CBS and I'll talk about abortion. I can talk about that better than the Hispanics. So she goes on CBS and she says that she believes that there are no, not only are there no exceptions, that you should be able to have abortion at all times, right up until birth, she said. Right up until birth. So the reporter was mystified. This is a liberal reporter. And he had to clarify it. If an Arizona voter were to conclude from your previous answer that you do not favor any specific weak limit on abortion, would they be correct? I support leaving the decision between a woman and her doctor and leaving politicians entirely out of it. Ah, leaving politicians entirely out of it. And yet she's centered, or excuse me, entered herself right into the center of it. But she believes in leaving politicians entirely out of it. Then why are you commenting on abortion? You shouldn't have a single word to say about abortion. You just said, leave politicians completely out of it. Why are you talking about it? (laughs) Now, the reporter's not smart enough to catch that and counter with, are you being a fraud right now? You're telling us to leave political people out of the abortion question, and yet here you are talking about it. So, yes, you are a fraud. We'll answer it for you. Has anybody looked worse over a 24-hour period than she did? Well, Biden, of course, but that's pretty that's pretty tough stuff. Literally, she shouldn't get a single vote in Arizona if normal people were voting. And here's the kind of people that are in favor of abortion. Here's an abortion protester who, by the way, doesn't have to worry about getting pregnant ever. 
but apparently she is. Having abortion banned means that we're basically getting our choices of our bodies taken away. And as a woman, that, like, speaks volume because now I have to be more careful when I have sex or, like, it's like standing up for women who get raped or, like, um, incest. And, like, it's just such a big deal that they're taking this away. Um, and it's like we're going backwards. So taking away the right to abortion basically makes you have to think a lot harder about who you have sex with. Yes. <laughs> it's hard to believe you heard that, isn't it? It makes me have to think about who I'm having sex with. First of all, why? Why, why does that matter? I might be having sex with a guy who is pro-choice, but I might be having sex with a guy, God forbid, is pro-life. He might not want me to have the abortion. I've got to rethink who I'm banging every night because I'm a slut and a whore, and i got to watch out who's jumping into my bed with me. He might want the baby. God almighty, where did they unearth these people? Don't worry, sweetheart. You have no worries about getting pregnant. Zero zip zilch. Now, Cori Bush uh, says that she's had more than one abortion. But she unwittingly, and she does everything unwittingly because she's not smart. She unwittingly made the case for pro-life when she said that when she went in for her second abortion, she panicked and decided she wasn't sure if she wanted to do this again. And here's what happened, according to her. I, I was thinking back to the first abortion. Okay, you've done this before. You know the rooms. You know what it looks like. You know what it feels like in, in this place. You know what to expect. You know um, that you may experience even some harm or some racism in this in this space. Like, I thought I was ready. And I went in. And I went through all the steps because they were like, you, it's almost like an assembly line. You know, you go from room to room. And I got into the last room. I, I was helped up onto the table by the nurse. And I laid there and I started to think, well, one, I didn't tell the father that that was about to happen. Um, I, and I just, I just felt like I needed more time. So I said, no, you know what? I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. And the nurse, just, you know, wouldn't listen to me. And I said, no, I'm not ready. And as I'm saying, no, they continue to pull the instruments and, you know, get everything ready. And, and it was just like, no, calm down, you know, no, you're going to be okay. So you were telling them that you didn't want to move forward. Yes. And they were ignoring it. They were, oh, they absolutely ignored me. Um, even to the point of, you know, like calm down as if I was the problem. Well, you are the problem, uh, but not necessarily in that case, but you are the problem. You're much, much larger a part of the problem than you could ever imagine. But there she is telling us that this is how these abortion clinics operate. That's the beauty of these uh, other clinics. I can't remember what, what some of them are called, but these are where people, a pregnant girl comes in and wants to discuss and find out what her options are, what choices she has. And these people give her great counsel, great advice. Then they get firebombed and graffiti written all over their windows. And nothing's said about it. Biden hasn't said a word about that violence. But in the abortion clinics of Margaret Sanger, 
you say, well, I'm not ready. I need to think about this some more. I need to at least have a conversation with the dad. No, no, no. You stay right here. Stay right here. We've got the big instruments. We're going to destroy, just destroy that baby right now. You just lay there. These abortion clinic people need to be in prison. They're murderers. She wasn't there because she was raped or her uncle got her pregnant. She knew who the guy was. And she said she felt bad about not telling him what she was about to do. But the abortion clinic said, never mind. Come on. We're in the baby killing business. We got to go. It's an assembly line. Go from room to room, she said. Now, never mind that Cori Bush, after having had one abortion, and apparently didn't feel good about it, never mind the fact that she took no steps to avoid getting pregnant again, zero. Discipline is not a word in the Cori Bush lexicon. So she's either illiterate or she doesn't care. I'll just have another abortion. These people are unbelievable, aren't they? They're unconscionable. And so is Biden for fear-mongering about Armageddon being upon us. It's sickening. Nikki Haley, your thoughts on Biden's Armageddon fear-mongering? First of all, I thought what he said was irresponsible. On every level, it's irresponsible. Even if, regardless of the situation, you never go and scare Americans. You go and get in front of the situation, and you work with your military, and you work with your national security agency and say, okay, should this happen, what are we going to do? His job is to tell Americans we're going to be okay. Not only that, what he told Putin by saying Armageddon, you just strengthened Putin. You just gave him confidence to think that Biden's scared. What we should be doing is completely focused on deterrence. Is Putin dangerous? Yes. We should always know that when a tyrant says they're going to do something, we should believe them. We saw that with Putin. He said he was going to take Ukraine, and we saw him do that. We saw President Xi say they were going to take Hong Kong, and they did it. So now if he's saying that he's going to do this, what we should do is deterrence by way of saying, if you do this, there will be hell to pay. Yeah, hell to pay. Trump told those people over there they'll be held to pay if you do this, and then he dropped that Moab bomb on them in Syria. Guess what? You didn't hear from them again. No joke. I'm serious. Let's get serious, folks. No joke. But not Biden. Number one reason that he won't tell them, here's what's going to happen if you do this, they won't even talk to him. They want nothing to do with him. He's a joke, and they know it. Why would you, if you're Putin or Iran or Venezuela, for that matter, or China, negotiate anything with this guy? You just take him. Venezuela, negotiate. I'd say negotiate my ass. You lift all sanctions on us immediately or there's no deal. Goodbye. And, of course, he will. Russia, what do they they want to talk to him about? They know that he blew up that pipeline. They're just plotting their revenge. Who knows what it'll be? 
Mike Pompeo, were those comments reckless? First of all, those comments were reckless. And I think they, even more importantly, they demonstrate maybe one of the greatest foreign policy failures of the last decades, which was the failure to deter Vladimir Putin in the same way that the Trump administration did for four years. When you hear president talking about Armageddon at a random, as a random thought, just musing at a fundraiser, that is a, a terrible risk to the American people if he truly believes that he ought to be out talking to us in a serious way. These are career diplomats. Pompeo, Nikki Haley, worked at the United Nations, ran the CIA, was the Secretary of State. These two people are career people involved in international diplomacy. They get it. This asshat has never dealt with international forces except to threaten them, bribe them, pay for play, and then brags about it. It will be a miracle if there's not a nuclear war started by this clown. I pray every day for Putin not to get a terminal illness because I believe if he gets a terminal illness, he won't care. John Kirby, were those comments by your boss based on any new information or did he just randomly spout them off the top of his ignorant head? His comments were not based on uh, new or fresh intelligence or new indications uh, that uh, Mr. Putin has made a decision uh, to use nuclear weapons. And quite quite frankly, uh, we don't have any indication that he has. (laughs) So we have no information that he's said anything like this, that he's really thinking of doing it. We have no new information. Biden just says it. He just spouts it off the top of his head. Doesn't care the shock he sends through American people's lives. Doesn't care about the fear that he stokes. Doesn't care about kids diving under their desks and practice for the nuclear invasion. By the way, that was, that's, in a way, it's funny. We actually thought that back in the 50s or 60s, if the kids took shelter under their desk, it would protect them from nuclear invasion. <laughs> think about that for a second. I think that's kind of a waste of time. Maybe head for the hills. That might be okay, but I I doubt it. But, you know, those of us in the Midwest, we don't really have to fear nuclear war because they're not going to shoot at us. They're going to take out New York and the, the West Coast. Washington. I dare say, would they be doing us a favor? Maybe so. But we're not pulling for nuclear war, trust me. Don't hear what I'm not saying. And the other problem that we have, well, among many, but the big one is China. We've talked about it a lot. Donald Trump used to talk about it every day. And then he put the shutdown on him for trade. And China's economy was in the tank. But they're revived now because Joe Willie came to their rescue. After all, he shook them down for millions of dollars. He has to rescue them. Come on in, buy our farmland. Come on in, do whatever you want. Nikki Haley has some awfully chilling things to say about China and our relationship with them. Well, 
I think we have, we've been asleep at the wheel. You know, we've got to really start having a China initiative where we're focused on every aspect of China. You know, when I was at the United Nations, I had a team that did nothing but watch China's every move. Every time they tried to put language in a resolution, we pulled it. Every time they tried to get a higher position within the United Nations, we stopped them. You have to have that kind of approach when you deal with China. I mean, if you look at what's happening now, we've got to stop all this funding that's going to universities from China. We've got to look at all of this agricultural land that they're buying. You know, they just recently bought, you know, thousands of acres next to Grand Forks Air Force Base. Well, that's where we have all of our very sensitive drone equipment and technology. That's what we have to make sure we're focused on. And then we've really got to start looking at these companies that are doing business in China because we know that President Xi has a commission where all he does is say any company that does business in China has to cooperate with the Chinese military. How do you like them apples? So when she says when we were at the United Nations and China tried to get higher up position, we stopped them. We pulled language from any agreement. We did this. You know who we is? Donald Trump. He, She was his secretary to the United Nations. Ambassador to the United Nations, whatever you call it. He, she was acting on Donald Trump's policy. Blaine Holt is a security expert. Is there diplomacy being used here with China at all? Where's the diplomacy? Right. Where, where is where is the statesmanship uh, uh, and the, the standing up in front of the American people and describing the danger to them without fear mongering? You've got uh, the, the the your state uh, that you're sitting in right now, New York, New York City, putting out guidance on how to survive a nuclear blast. I got news for you. Uh, downtown New York doesn't do so well in that environment. And hiding under a desk like the kids did in the 50s doesn't fix this either. Um, but is that our real threat? And it, and is saying here we are at the edge of Armageddon, really where we need to be pushing the American people. What I'm more concerned with is hybrid attacks, loss of grid, cyber attacks, and uh, the transatlantic cable, because those are all items that the Russians could do tomorrow if uh, they get more desperate in Ukraine. And they're getting more desperate. But are we concerned about those things? No. Instead, we go up and blow up their pipeline. Nikki Haley had these chilling words regarding China. So think about our tech companies. Think about our financial data, our health care data, our children's lifestyle data, and know that the Chinese military has that. That's scary. They have it. They already have it. It's too late. Now, why isn't Biden doing anything with regard to China? Ron Johnson, the senator from Wisconsin, believes he knows why. Biden canceled an investigation into China. Why is that, Senator? There's probably a reason why Joe Biden canceled the China Initiative, which was the Department of Justice a program to investigate Chinese theft of our intellectual property and university systems. Why in the world would he cancel that? Is because is it because he knows that China knows all the transactions and exactly what Hunter Biden was involved in? That's exactly why. You don't have to be a genius to figure that out. But see, that goes unreported too. You'll hear about it here on this show. But it goes unreported in the mainstream media. They're never going to tell you that Biden canceled this Chinese investigation. Why? Why didn't someone ask him? Why did you cancel that? We know why. This is the most compromised president in the history of this country. 
He is compromised in so many different places, China, Ukraine, Russia, and wherever else he shook down governments for money. The uh, Saudis won't talk to him. OPEC plus, which includes Russia, told him to bite me. I mean, we are in trouble. We just sail along thinking everything's hunky-dory, but it's not. It's very dangerous. And then we have our FBI here. They'll take care of us, right, because they'll stop all the criminal activity. Jim Jordan, the congressman from Ohio, would you please describe to us and summarize for us our FBI? The real question is, will the FBI hold people accountable? I I mean, I I got my doubts, and frankly, I'll believe it when I see it, because this is the FBI where we've now had 14 agents come to us as whistleblowers and tell us how political it's gotten. This is the FBI that raided the home of a former president, took the phone of a sitting member of Congress. This is the FBI who kicked in the door of a pro-life leader two weeks ago outside of Philadelphia and arrested him in front of his wife and seven children for something local law enforcement said was not a crime, not a problem. So this is how political this FBI has become. And I think a key point to remember, too, this is the FBI who's involved themselves in every single election for the last four cycles. This is a point Congressman Gates made in committee a few weeks ago. In 2016, they spied on President Trump's campaign. In 2018, it was the Mueller investigation. In 2020, they suppressed information about the Hunter Biden laptop. And now in 2020, they've raided the home of a, uh, of the former president, taken the phone of a sitting member of Congress 91 days before an election. So when is the FBI not going to involve themselves in, in one of our elections? That's, that's probably a key question yeah that is a key question (laughs) i believe of course they've involved themselves in elections since they opened their front door j edgar hoover he involved himself he hated the kennedys so he did everything he could to compromise the kennedys so it really doesn't matter this fbi it's, it's had a long tradition of corruption somehow or another media people have just sat by and watched it happen and they're doing it again today. This version of the FBI is the most corrupt ever. This is the most Nazi-like we've ever seen. And you cannot shame them. They continue their Nazi behavior. They raided another a private home the other day. But the day is coming. The day of reckoning is coming in November when governors and senators and congresspeople are all going to be elected to big-time jobs and they're all going to be Republicans. Hopefully not too many rhinos. Hopefully more of them like Glenn Youngkin in Virginia, who has declared to public schools in Virginia that children will use the bathroom of their biological gender. So if you were biologically born a boy, you will not be going into the girls' bathroom anymore. And Glenn Youngkin told this to Jake Tapper on CNN while he sat there and said nothing. Parents have a fundamental right to be engaged in their children's lives. And oh, by the way, children have a right to have parents engaged in their life. And children don't belong to the state. They belong to families. This is not controversial. And I just think the idea that we're going to have policies that exclude parents from their children's lives is something that I have been going to work on since day one. Carpe diem, Governor Youngkin. Be nice to see some Republicans elected from Virginia on a national scale. That would be nice. I don't know if you saw Kanye West with uh, Tucker Carlson last week. Some of the interview uh, was rambling and made no sense, but other points he made were very good. And a lot of which 
coming from a black man you wouldn't expect to hear. A lot of which coming from what you would consider a liberal you wouldn't expect to hear. But we know that Kanye West is none of those things. Well, he's black, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say he wasn't black. But he's not liberal. He's not an idiot. And he thinks for himself. But he knows what can happen when you think for yourself, especially if you're in Hollywood. But he has enough power and enough money to not care what they think. And he essentially told that to Obama when Obama thought Kanye West would be his ally simply because he was black. Soon as I wasn't saying the things that I was supposed to say as a rapper, uh, our connection faded. So you don't talk to him anymore? I'll talk to him if I see him. Yeah. But I guarantee you he's seen me. Yeah, I guarantee he's seen you too. He's seen you not espouse his views so he'll have nothing to do with you. How about that? Here's one of the more successful rappers in the history of Reptum, and Obama takes his vote for granted simply because he's black. So he's going to support me because he's black. By the way, Obama, you're not. You're mulatto. But he thinks that Kanye West will lead Hollywood and everybody else that follows him, all of those people that buy his music, to vote for Obama. Didn't work out that way. And Obama didn't like it. Kanye West talked about what he calls a Black Lives Matter manager. Now, what could that possibly mean? It's basically you get a semi-influential black person to become the face of a white company. Yeah. Right. So that means, like, in the design world, in the art world, they actually would pick artists that were less talented than other artists based on their influence. Uh, not based on their actual work because everyone is vying for influence and and an opinion. Fascinating, isn't it? That white companies, woke, of course, woke white companies, look for black faces to put on their company, no matter if they're really talented or not, doesn't matter, as long as they are black and have some influence and that they can lead people to think we're woke. And there are plenty of black people who are willing to be used like that because it means a lot of money. But this is a white, woke company as bigoted as can be, but wants people to think they're not, so they'll hire a black person to be their face. So that black person is working for people who are bigots just for the money. I'd understand that if you needed the money, but I don't understand it otherwise. Kanye West brought up a company like Nike, and and he's right in saying this, that Nike is not interested in profits. It's not there to be as big a financial company as it can be. It's there as an influencer. Because black people love Nike. So Nike is like a company that is redlining and gerrymandering black people. Interesting take on Nike, isn't it? Phil Knight is one of the most woke people around. He's the founder of Nike. He's the same guy, by the way, who was very close friends with Joe Paterno. And then when 
the Penn State Jerry Sandusky scandal occurred, Phil Knight broke ties with Joe Paterno and claimed that he should resign and that, you know, all of the same liberal talking points take his victories away, that he should have done more. Of course, Phil Knight speaking out of his ass because he had no idea what really happened. And then when it was revealed that Joe Paterno was completely innocent in the entire scandal, Phil Knight, like the coward, came crawling back to the Paterno family. I would have kicked him right in the cookies and said, get the F out of here. With friends like you, who needs enemies? You ever hear that? Yeah, I have too. It's sickening. It makes me sick to my stomach when I listen to people like that. But they're all over the place. You know, Phil Knight's not the only phony running a business out there. He's not the only woke fraud who's trying to buy black people because he wants to look like he's woke. There's nothing woke. There's nothing not woke about him. He is a woke psychopath. And he wants to lie to you and make you think that he's not, that he's not a a woke jack wagon, but he enjoys it. And so he'll put anybody at the face of Nike as long as you're black and that he can make money off of you. Hey, Jordan Krugman isn't out to make money. Well, he's, of course, we're all out to make money. But what he does is this. He offers you free advice. He never gives you any kind of a bill. You'll never be billed for any broker fees. Never. And he's a broker. Now, why is that important in health insurance? Because Jordan Krugman, as a broker, acts on your behalf, not on the behalf of any insurance company. Because he's not married to any of them. He can do business with all of them for you. And so if you're looking at health care insurance, please, I beg you for your own good, do not consider Obamacare. Call Jordan Krugman. Call him now or call him yesterday. 314-602-4055. 314-602-4055. Online, he's thehealthinsuranceguy.net. Thehealthinsuranceguy.net. Now, why is Obamacare so bad? Because it doesn't help you. You're charged exorbitant premiums, and you're never covered because your deductible is so big. So if you have a catastrophic illness, then it might help. That's it. Normal normal everyday life that you need health insurance for, Obamacare doesn't help you. All appointments with Jordan can be done virtually from the comfort of your own home. He's licensed in 24 states, including Missouri and Illinois. He has a ton of options for you. Major medical, life, dental, vision, cancer plans. They're just cancer plans. Accident plans, a whole bunch of specialty plans. He can help you with all of them. Doesn't matter if you're an individual, a family, or small business. Jordan Krugman has helped small businesses all the time. Save them tens of thousands of dollars in insurance premiums and given his the employees better coverage. So if you're a small business and you've got a top gun salesman, but they're being wooed to another company with the promise of better benefits, you better get on the stick. You better call Jordan right now because he can help you keep that employee. And that's big time. If you're a Medicare person or coming up on Medicare, if you're 64 years old, You're about to turn 65. These insurance companies are flooding your mailbox with sales literature and baloney. 
Don't eat the bologna. Throw the sales literature away and call Jordan today. 314-602-4055. 314-602-4055. And you'll be happy you did because Medicare has advantage plans with a zero monthly premium that I guarantee you don't know about. One of our listeners just called Jordan this weekend on a Medicare issue. And Jordan was right there to help. All medical, all Medicare supplements, Advantage plans, Part D drug plans. By the way, you, you probably aren't aware that there's a lot of extras that you can get too. Gym memberships for free. Transportation services. Hearing aids. Remember, never any broker fees from Jordan Krugman. He's my insurance guy. That's my disclaimer. My son, my family, friends of mine, listeners to the show. No one has been disappointed. No one. 314-602-4055. Thehealthinsuranceguy.net online. And it just can't get any better than that. All right, when we come back, Philly John is going to join us. He knows all things Philadelphia. We'll talk about the Philadelphia series and the Eagles, and it's great to be a Philly fan and an Eagles fan in Philadelphia.
welcome you back in. Kevin Slayton with you on this Monday morning right here on KevinSlaytonShow.com in the Window World King's Court. We're glad you're along for the ride. Our good friends at Taco Bell want you to stop in and have breakfast this morning. They've got their dollar crave menu all fired up and ready to go for you. You can get a grilled breakfast burrito with bacon bits for a buck. They have breakfast quesadillas, too. They're under $2. But they have a lot of things on that dollar crave menu. You can get a double-stuffed taco any time of the day. Grande burrito, same thing. Morning for breakfast, lunchtime, dinner, late night. Taco Bell does a great late-night business. It's a great place to go if you're sitting around, man, I could use a couple of tacos. Boom, Taco Bell. They also have a $5 Crave menu, and both of those go, the dollar and the $5, all day long. For breakfast, they have two different AM Crunch Wraps under $3, a Grande Scrambler under $3. I believe, as you well know, in supporting locally owned and operated businesses, so I do. When it comes to Taco Bell, just the locally owned and operated locations. And here's where they are in our area. In Missouri, they're in Washington, St. Clair, Union, Jackson, Chesterfield Valley, Cape Girardeau. In Illinois, they're in Waterloo, Decatur, Springfield, Jerseyville, Salem, Carbondale, Troy, DuCoin, and Columbia. Those are all locally owned and operated Taco Bell locations. Well, our phone lines are open for you, 636-538-0746. We await the phone call from our friend Philly John, who, uh, that's why we call him Philly John. He, he used to live in St. Louis. He was a huge Cardinal fan, probably still is, except when they play the Phillies. But he is the prototypical Philadelphia sports fan. We don't understand sports in this town until you get to a, a market like that where it's really, really big business. I mean, the local radio shows there are like our radio show when we did sports. They don't kiss everybody's ass, but that's normal in Philly. It's unusual here. In fact, I'm the only one who did it. I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I'm just saying it because it's a fact. An absolute fact. People have asked me, why does Bill DeWitt III come on your show? Because... A lot of times he ends up having to really hide because the questions are tough, fair and tough. And I said, I think that's why. He respects fair and tough questions. He's tired of the ass-kissing. Wouldn't you? I mean, honestly, I'd be tired of people who were constantly sucking up to me. Constantly. It's it's sickening. It really is. But it goes on all the time here. It's just the way it is. And it won't change here either, by the way. It really won't. <laughs> it's insane. Absolutely insane. But it does. It happens that way. But in Philadelphia, it's different. New York, it's different. Chicago, it's different. Dallas, it's different. But in this town, you don't get – this is why we have so many sheeple as Cardinal fans who make excuses constantly for what you watched this last weekend, this unabashed debacle that you watched this last weekend. And people are making excuses. Now, I don't take part in those Cardinal chat rooms, chat boards, or whatever they call them, sound boards. But people who have told me how unbelievable they – they they're like liberals. They attack they attack the minute you say something negative about the great Cardinals. Well, Philly John is with us now, and we welcome him to the show. Good morning, John. How are you? Kevin. We're here. 
You're there? How you doing? We are doing great, but we can't be doing as well as you can, being a Philly fan and an Eagle fan. Yeah, it's been a pretty good weekend. Uh, we haven't had many of these, these around here right now, but it's all been good. Well, I was saying earlier that you are the prototypical Philadelphia fan. You know your sports. In Philadelphia, talk shows don't necessarily kiss up like they do here. It's a totally different environment, isn't it? Oh, 150%, you know. And it's just a matter, you know, the whole East Coast is a little more hardened, and uh, they don't, uh, you know, they just don't follow along sheepishly. You know, they just want good good ball playing, and uh, they show up when it's there, you know. So, uh, but it's been a good weekend. The city's come alive having, you know, all the teams are, you know, except for the Flyers, looking like they're going to be very, very competitive. But right now we're talking baseball and football, so uh, it's all good. That is all good. And, of course, the Phillies came into St. Louis. I said you're a Cardinal fan until they play the Phillies, and it must have done your heart warm to watch the Phillies come in with two top pitchers. And this is – I built the the third on on Friday, and I said the only thing you have to worry about is those two pitchers being at the top of their rotation. And, boy, did they pitch. Yeah. In fact, all year long, Kevin, this is a good ball club, the Phillies. But we didn't know how good. And they were up and down. They barely made the playoffs. I mean, they – you know, they had a number of stretches where they'd lose five, six, seven in a row, and then they'd win a bunch. Uh, but I kept saying that um, if they get in, they then automatically become a very dangerous team because of Wheeler and Nola. That's one and two is about as good as you're going to get. And the team can hit. They're just really streaky. So they get in, and automatically, huge weight off their shoulders, big, you know, pressure. And now they're on house money because, you know, they're the last seed of, you know, uh, of, of all the teams getting in and whatnot. And uh, the Cardinals, on the other hand, you know, listen, good, good teams, they make the playoffs, but they play in a terrible division. And, 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 and you know, the records tend to be inflated. So they come in and have three home games again. The, the Phillies were on house money, very loose. And, they, and I, I predicted a two-game win. Good for you. You, I hope you cashed in. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was just I, I, I felt quietly confident. I mean, this wasn't like a no-brainer by by any means, but I just felt like it was. You know, they, they had a pretty good chance, and um, uh, and again, because I think it's a, it's a good ball club, and uh, they had to play hard all the way in, in into the playoffs, and so um, it didn't surprise me that that they won. And a little revenge from 2011 when the you know the tables were turned. The Phillies were the better team, uh, obviously, and maybe the best of all those Philly teams that, you know, won the World Series and then went to back-to-back World Series, and they lost in that five-game series, um, and uh, it was the Phillies haven't been back since. So a little <laughs> bit of revenge. Yeah, the miracle of David Freeze and uh, the 2011 Cardinals, and that was coinciding with the end of – of the, the great highlights for the Phillies, the, the final game, the fifth game, Chris Carpenter outpitches Roy Halladay, one of the classic pitching duels of all time in postseason history. And for whatever reason, that was the end for the Phillies. How does a dynasty yeah. like that end so quickly? Was it bad management? Because that's how it happens here. Yeah, no, it, it was a, 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 you never get a little longer in the tooth. It was a good team. And then it started to slip. And, you know, they held on a little bit too long with some of these players, you know, Ryan Howard, you know, blew his Achilles out. At that point, you know, he's a big guy, and you know, he, he was just never the same. And he he was starting to slip, and uh, they were slowing the rebound. And then the the complete rebound, you know, poor drafting and whatnot has 
is what doomed the Phillies all, all of these years. They're, they're finally turning that around. They got some kids. That was the other thing I'm excited about. I just wanted them to make the playoffs, even if they lost to the Cardinals, and even if they lose to the Braves. This reminds me of that 2008 to, uh, to 11 Phillies in that they got a good young core. They got some veterans. Uh, and but different, they got some kids coming up now that that they have drafted the last couple of years um, that I think are going to really help this club over the next couple of years. So getting that playoff experience is big. Well, now again with the house money, they get a, a playoff series in their pocket and they go up against the Braves. And the last time we played, that was '93, heavy, <laughs> heavy underdogs, and that was with the Crook and Dalton era. And uh, we took it to them and beat them and went to the World Series. So um, you never know, Kevin. A lot of uh, full circle things coming around for this Philly organization uh, as they get to play, maybe take the the revenge here and, and beat the uh, Braves, get to the National League Championship Series. And like you say, playing with house money is a good place to be because you never know what can happen when you're playing relaxed. And I never thought, uh, while I didn't think Ali Marmel, the Cardinals manager, was any good, and should have never been the choice, but the Cardinals love hiring cheap managers, I, I never thought he would – be the reason that they completely folded in game one. You guys have a rookie manager in your dugout. Cardinals have one in their dugout, except your guy has a hell of a lot more baseball experience. And it really showed in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings of game one. A hundred percent. And, you know, I, I, some of the, the Mormon's decisions were head scratchers. And me talking a lot of my, my St. Louis friends afterwards, they, they were really, really upset. Uh, about a lot of calls. And yeah, on the other hand, Rob Thompson, who is this unknown bench guy for like a baseball lifer, a lot of years with the Yankees, you know, one World Series with them, uh, a trusted bench coach, you know, he takes over. This club's like, you know, was about six, seven games under 500 and going nowhere. And he just brought a very calming influence to this club. Um, and he just, he just pushes the right buttons. He doesn't panic. Um, and uh, and it's, it's just been a, a, a great clubhouse. And you're right. Uh, he, he pushed the right buttons because he doesn't overmanage, Kevin. Yeah, clearly he doesn't, and he doesn't panic. And to me, that's what stood out on Friday is Marmo panicking, trying to get more than an inning out of Gallegos in relief, trying to get more than an inning out of Helsley in relief, things they didn't do much during the year. And now you ask him to do it in the playoffs because he's panicking. And then when the Phillies – uh, get into that ninth inning, and you walk to and hit a guy. Right. Uh, he should have never been in to pitch to the guy that he hit. It, the, the two walks should have been the end. But then you leave him in. He hits a guy. Now you're still down just one. You've got bases loaded, one out. He brings the infield in. The, yep. inf- the infield should have been back for a double play. Yep. All you needed was an out just to get, a, get an out. Yeah. You know, the, get an out, and you got a tie game. And uh, maybe go in extra innings and win. But instead, he brings him in, and sure enough, Segura, I I was sitting with some friends of mine, a couple of which had played professional baseball, and I said to them, the last guy I would want up there if I were the Cardinals is Segura. I said, the number one guy the Phillies want up there is Segura because he handles the bat so well and he rarely strikes out. A hundred percent. He he puts the bat on the ball and, and uh, you know, he, he's a guy that hasn't tasted any playoff experience. So, the you know, the, the atmosphere was electric there. And you're exactly right. He's that guy. In fact, there was a, a couple of games earlier in the year where um, teams walked guys to get to him. 
And he just got really pissed at that and delivered a lot of game-winning hits and stuff. So you're right. But I'll tell you, the, it's interesting. The key of that in that was Harper. Working that walk, being at one and two, and he has not been the same guy since that injury. He's, you know, he hit the home run. Hopefully he's coming back. I mean, he, had a, he was having an MVP again year before he gets hurt. Well, anyway, sometimes you win games, Kevin, by – by doing other things. And I'm telling you, that was the key of that to me in that inning, Harper taking that walk. It really was. You could feel the momentum change. And it's funny, I played golf that day because it was such a gorgeous day here. And I'm saying, you know, I'll tune in and I'm checking my phone and it was no score, no score. And then I look at my phone and, and then, ah, no, it's 2 nothing. I go, and I, because I've seen these Philly slumps before offensively. <laughs> but then we get back to a place, we just hit a place to grab, a burger and some beers and and the, this bar was rocking and rolling and uh, it was the ninth inning and so I watched all that and you could just feel the tightness of the Cardinals at that point once that inning started to develop. Oh yeah, it was great on my end for sure. As soon as he walked Harper, you could feel yeah. everything tightening up and that's Correct. when that's when Marmol began to really panic. And right. th- th- that walk after two strikes again, you're exactly right. Is such a momentum changer. But Segura is not somebody to mess with anyway. He's got a lifetime 285 average. He's a hell of a oh, yeah, good hitter, yeah. and yeah, he's a good. And and even more reason you put the infield back. You know he's going to put his bat on the ball, and so you've got Correct. to play for the double play. But that was sheer panic, and sure enough, uh, it is amazing how. And, and the walk to Harper, uh, we're we're sitting there talking too at a at a bar watching the game, and I said to these guys, the last thing you do is walk a guy in the ninth inning when you have a two to nothing lead. That's the yeah, last yeah. thing you do. He walked yeah. two. And he stays in. <laughs> right. Yeah, just just amazing. And I don't know, a little irony on this. The last out was Sosa, a guy the Phillies right. played up for the Cardinals, who has which came as a great glove, no hit. Well, he's hit really, actually really well. He just came off the DL. But uh, he's, been, he's been a good ball player for us. And uh, so that was a little irony. In that. He was, so. And he was always a very good spare part here. And he should have been starting a shortstop here. Instead, they went with the young, uh, yeah. which uh, mystifies us all. You know, the Phillies are not afraid to spend money either. We'll be honest about that. They spend that big money on Harper. Oh, they get, they bring, bring Real Muto in, who's a hell of a hitting catcher, and and other people. And the Cardinals just, you know, people say, well, they got Arenado and Goldsmith. That's right. That's it. I mean, this team has traded away a world champion. They've oh, tra- boy. They traded yeah. away Alcantara. They traded away yep. Zach Gallon, both of which they traded to Miami for Ozuna, who's no longer. Rosarina. He was here for Rosarina for Libertor. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's incredible. If, if a general manager did that in Philadelphia, would they not run right. him out of town on a rail? Oh, well, yeah, with Young Town. We got to face Alcantara. You know, we actually have beaten him this year. It's ironically, he was dominating the Phillies at about two or three starts, and we just got to him at the very end. But, but he's a pitcher. Now we got to face this guy. I wish you had traded him away to somebody else in another position. <laughs> but, but yet, you know what? But in fairness, the Cardinals have always drafted well. They seem to have this pipeline. But I think the key is you've got to balance that out and get and, and bring in other talent. The Phillies have been forced because they've had horrendous uh, scouting in minor leagues since, the, again, that, that 07 to 011 team. So they were shamed into spending money because, you know, this, you're right, Kevin. People here don't want your excuses. They won't show up to the games. In fact, even the Phillies were playing pretty good baseball this year. Philly fans are not just going to flock to the stadium just because you're playing good. It's a, it's very much a show-me city, to borrow that 
the Missouri deal. So it, and, and, and so they did have to spend money until their farm system started to catch up. And that's, and that's what they did. And, uh, um, you know, it doesn't mean guarantee anything, but you're right. They bring in a lot, a lot of good ball players, and in their prime, Harper, and uh, you know, you know, was in his prime when he signed that deal, and right. and, and played very, very well. Uh, Romito, best catcher in baseball, and defensively too. I mean, he threw out the I don't know the highest percentage ever, but nobody's running on this guy. He runs like a, a second baseman, you know, and he can and, hit. Uh, yeah, and he can hit a hundred percent, and he's truly that that really quiet leader that you want behind there. And um, uh, it's it, it's a good mix. It, it, yeah, you know yeah. they got some guys that are still underperforming, and that's the problem. It's a very streaky hitting team. Castellano's been a big disappointment. Huge, and they huge. got on him too. We'll yeah. see. He's in here for another couple of years, but he better start getting some hits, or you know you'll be hearing the Philly faithful giving it to him. Yeah, to me, he's their biggest disappointment. I've always believed he, he's a great acquisition for any team, and this is his worst year ever for some oh. for some strange, bizarre reason. And I know Harper yeah. went to bat for him. To get him acquired in the off season, and Correct. here he is, and he's he's laying a gigantic egg. Here's the difference, though, John, because uh, I, I love letting fans here in St. Louis hear a different perspective from another city. You 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 guys weren't drafting very well, so rightfully so, the fans said, "Bite me." The Cardinals draft well and then trade them away. Well, correct. And that's where that balance comes in, Kevin. I mean, if you're drafting well, then you still got to, you know, you got to supplement, okay? And no, you know your minor leaguers better than anybody else. You know who you should trade and who not. At least you should. Now, I know there's no guarantees and whatnot, but, but oh, my God, man. It's just heartbreaking well, what that club could be like. I've always said no one under or no one misunderstands the value of their own players like the Cardinals do. They can't right. evaluate their own players, and that's why they keep trading these guys. And we don't stop with the Rosarina. We can go to Garcia, Aroldis Garcia, who's down in Texas, drove in 101 runs there, hits regularly 30 home runs a year. That's another Cardinal that was just released, gave him away. So if you put right. if you put Garcia, Rosarina in the lineup, Gallon oh. and Alcantara at the top of your pitching staff, now you've got a World Series contender just with guys you drafted and traded away. And I'll tell you, Kevin, the Cardinals, in my opinion, and you're closer to this than me because I don't live there anymore, but I still follow them, is they hang on to this tradition thing a little too much. I mean, the pool holes and Molina, oh. I, I get it, man. Great careers, but way past their prime. It's time for those kids to come in there. And this whole baseball heaven, this is a little irony. That really pissed Philadelphia off. Like, Philly fans in Philadelphia have been really pissed at St. Louis since Scott Rowland went over, and he comes <laughs> to St. Louis, and he, oh, nobody bothers him, nobody questions him, and this, that, the other thing, and he says, baseball heaven. Well, that got a big double bird from Philly, you know, that's you. Uh, baseball heaven. Well, yeah, when nobody questions, you're the only guy in town that calls him out on anything for crying out loud. Right. And, and of course, it's baseball heaven when it's really easy. And then the fans tend to flock to that. I get you know, I have my same fantasy football brethren in, in St. Louis, and I got into my group this 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 draft this uh, you know when I came in Labor Day weekend, and I said, listen, you know, I just made a comment. The Cardinals are in a weak division when you get to play the Pirates and the Cubs and the Reds and you know this stuff. And uh, boy, you would have thought I was uh, calling after Pope or something. Like yeah. I said, but it's you got to admit that. Well, what happens is it, I think that all gets too 
caught uh, the, the fans and that management starts holding on to that tradition. Well, tradition doesn't win you anything. No, <laughs> you it, <laughs> it's great to have tradition, but know when to cut the ties. And, and as you said, they hold on to this tradition thing way too long. And this, this whole – I wrote on social media uh, Sunday morning or Saturday night, I can't remember which, my first, my first line was, thankfully the bobblehead tour is over. And now you can actually try to get a good team and put a competitive team on the field yeah. before Arenado yeah. opts out and leaves. But it was nothing but a bobblehead tour. All the Cardinals were interested in was selling tickets and making money. They didn't oh. care if this team was any good. No, look – Molina didn't help him. Wainwright didn't help him. Pujols didn't help him. And I don't give a damn what people say about Pujols. If something didn't happen at the All-Star break, I don't know. Maybe it was his cereal. Maybe he got better Cheerios. I don't know. Maybe he did. But well, I know this. I, I, no, nobody <laughs> nationally will, will bring that up. I'm saying even to my friends, and they dance around. Why would he do that to ruin his legacy? I said, oh, come on. Cut me up right. Nobody gets better in their 40s. Nobody. He's, poppy. He's the Cardinals of Big Poppy, you know? Uh, <laughs> right. And, 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 I'll, and I'll go this I'll go this way, too. I'm a big fan of the Astros. Obviously, you know my, my buddy owns the team. Sure. But, but I'm here to tell you, if Justin Verlander's not on something, I'm the monkey's <laughs> uncle. I mean, oh, this guy's better he, he's better now than he was when he was 20. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen a guy have a year like this, and he's in his 40s. So it still goes right. on, and I blame baseball players for that because right. back when they had the uh, uh, Mitchell investigation, George Mitchell, the former senator, did the investigation in the late 90s into the steroid problem, and not one player cooperated. Not one. Not even David Eckstein. You would have thought right. he would have because nobody suspected right. him. But, but yeah, here we go. All of a sudden, Pools goes from hitting about 210 with five home runs. Two of those home runs, by the way, were off position players. So he essentially had three home runs. And now all of a sudden, he goes on a power surge never seen. I mean, it was, it was, it was ridiculous. And Molina is busy rehabbing a knee in Puerto Rico. They let him go to Puerto Rico where they get video of him playing basketball for a team. He gets pissed off at the referee, kicks the basketball at the leg that he has a bad knee on. Gets yeah. it, gets ejected, and the Cardinals have no problem with it, and the fans yeah. don't have any problem. They worship these guys to the point where it's sickening. And again, and that's my beat. Like I get Cardinal management. Hey, if you're going to keep coming through the turnstiles and not questioning us on it, uh, why not? You know, but but supposedly these best fans in baseball, Kevin, the, you know, the smartest fans in baseball. Oh yeah. If that's your team, at least say what it is yeah they're juicing or doing this or doing that i don't like it but if we can squeeze a win out of it i'm okay with it all right i take that attitude but don't don't pretend that it's not happening or don't pretend that it's 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 really silly to be holding on to this thing and all of a sudden that these two uh, in this this whole this whole tour thing was uh i i get it i think you just hurt your franchise that way i couldn't agree more and if you don't at least question Pujols, then you're just you're just an imbecile I mean, you're yeah, really you're part, a stupid you're part person. Of the problem. And then you're part of the whole, the, the, big, the, the bigger problem. No question yeah. about it. And you know what they're talking about here? They got swept by the Phillies uh, two games here in St. Louis. Per, pretty right. much got shut out both games. And right. the, the Cardinal faithful here, the best fans in baseball, all they're doing all over social media is whining. They're lamenting now the end of the Pujols-Molina-Wainwright era. Oh, and they're And they're thrilled – they don't care they lost two games and are out of the, for the season. They're thrilled that Molina and Pujols got a hit in their final at bat. 
Oh, I know. That was it. That was almost <laughs> like you win, win the thing, you know? And I'm going, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's so funny, the difference. I'm looking at them, especially Pulos up there. And oh, and, if, and then, and of course, the national broadcasters, and they're building the thing. And I'm just saying, he's a cheater. <laughs> right. And, and I remember when I was living there, Kevin, talking to so many Cardinal fans who said, boy, we went up and asked for an autograph, and he blew us off, and this and that. And it was not a one or two. It was a number of them. Yet that whole image is thing and people buy into it. It, it, it just turns my soul. Oh, I, I have been saying, as you well know, for most of Pujols career that he's a, he's a, an A1 jerk. Uh, right. he's a lousy person. Uh, and, right. and in my book has always been at the very least a suspicious, illegitimate guy to reach 700 home runs in my book. In my book, there's no question he's illegitimate, but I don't have proof, so I'm not Jack Clark. I don't say there's proof, and I know it for sure. I just know what my eyes tell me. I, I remember, here, here's when I was was convinced. I used to love watching Pools play, and then I saw him in an ad, a TV ad in the off season, where he was just ripped. And I'm thinking to myself, what happened to this guy? And there you go. boom, man, all of a sudden, these records are falling everywhere, and I'm like, okay. Enough of this. I'm not falling. You know I'm not falling for it twice. We fell for it with McGuire. I'm not falling right. for it twice. Well, again, I was going to say that it was just like the McGuire Sosa thing all over again, and it wasn't like just one bad year he came from. He was dead in L.A. with the Angels. I mean, rather, what is it? Four or five years? I mean, he was mediocre at best, and all of a sudden he comes back and 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 you know, at this point he should have hit 900 home runs. I would. <laughs> Hell yes. And and I'm thinking to myself, and all the Cardinals cared about was, uh, you know, selling bobbleheads. And and, and oh, I, when, when Bill DeWitt was on Friday, I said, you know, I'm I don't like the DH because it takes strategy out of the game. He said, yeah, but he says, where would we have been with Albert if we wouldn't have had the DH? I mean, that's all they no. think about. How about the, improving the game, keeping the game of fun for people that like strategy? And right. getting rid of a dog and pony show like Pujols and Molina. It finally happened, John, as we talk with Philly John, all things Philadelphia is what he knows, baby, and St. Louis as well. But the uh, Michael Kay, who did the play, but oh, here's the other thing Cardinal fans do. They're they're whining about the announcers. Oh, they they had it in for us. They think the Phillies oh, are the geez. best team. Oh, my God. That is such a sickening lament. But these whiners do it all the time. But Michael Kay actually legitimately said – how how difficult is it for the Cardinals to score when they have Pujols and Molina in the lineup, neither of which will run? Right. And this is a legitimate point that I've been making for decades now, and yet, oh, these guys, they, they hate the Cardinals. You, They're like liberals in this town, <laughs> Cardinal fans. If you dare question their beloved Cardinals, look out, baby. Yeah. Yep. Now, the Phillies have the, the Eagles. I'm, we spend a lot of time on the Phillies here. But now That's right. We have the, another team in this town, Kelly. Yeah, you guys actually have a football team. And it's a, it, it's a football team that is undefeated. And right. in my opinion, uh, surprisingly, but right. uh, but I am a believer in Jalen Hurts. I, let me tell you when I became a believer in him. When he was at Alabama, he'd won a national right. championship. He wasn't a great right. passer. Uh, right. In the next national championship game, he was removed at halftime. Tua comes in. They win. Does he pout and transfer? No, he stayed. And the next year helped them beat Georgia in the conference championship game. Then transferred to Oklahoma where he blossomed as a passer. This is a coach's kid who never gives up. They, they've told him a thousand times he'll never be any good in the NFL. And look what he's doing for the Eagles. A hundred percent. And you said coach's kid and a kid that really wants to learn that you don't 
that obviously that's not enough necessarily. You got to have some talent. But the way he handled adversity uh, in in you know at, at Alabama, he comes to the Eagles. He comes gets thrust into a horrendous situation with uh, with uh, Wentz and and who didn't handle it well. It was this big thing. He just kept his mouth shut. This guy doesn't talk much, Kevin. It's like you know you want to make sure he has a pulse in there. Just kept doing his thing. Has uh, been learning, and he's turned into a, a real good quarterback. And that puts us into a real good position because you know when you have. Uh, you know, cost certainly at that position. Uh, and the Eagles have done an amazing job of Howie Roseman, their general manager, stockpiling draft picks. Because if he didn't work out, well, we got two number ones next year. One of them is the Saints, although they won yesterday. I don't think they're going to be winning many games this year. And so uh, we can now use those uh, draft picks next year. I'm already looking at the next year, however, whatever this <laughs> season rolls out. Because I always keep one eye on down the line. And it's hard to win. You've got to have a lot of luck to win. Uh, could they get to the Super Bowl? There's no question about that. But even if they don't, boy, they're rolling and, and they're a very, very young team already. And start using these draft picks to keep trading back and keeping two number one draft picks every year. is a, it, It's just an amazing thing to do. And But you have to draft correctly. Right. But if you have the quarterback, Kevin, you that that's the most important part. Don Shula was once asked – the all-time winningest coach in NFL history was once asked if he believed in luck. And he said, oh, yeah, I believe in luck. I believe, for instance, it's good luck to have a great quarterback. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. And, and he's right. If you don't start there, you can't right. win. You know, and you, especially in today's NFL where, I mean, it, it truly is everything. And, uh, you know, the guy is surprisingly strong. I mean, uh, in that lower body of his, and he's so smart, and he you know, takes the side and, and, and the Phillies have built put a great offense around them. And yet defensively, they also improved significantly. And so well, it looks like we got our hands full. We got the Cowboys are there and the you know, Giants, I think, will eventually fold. We got a big game coming up here Sunday night um, with the Cowboys coming to town. And uh, this is and this is our rivalry, man. I mean, we, you know, we're, we're born to hate the Cowboys. You know? uh, <laughs> well, but, I've, but, I've watched the Cowboys a lot recently because I enjoy watching great defense in an era when there is none. And this is the first team since 85 that reminds me of the 85 Bears. Uh, they're right. not as they're not as good. They haven't accomplished anywhere near what those eighty five Bears did yet. Right. Right. But they they have that potential, and so that will be fun. Everybody in Philadelphia will appreciate good defensive players because it's a tough town. But the atmosphere in Philly right now. Describe it for fans here in St. Louis. Cardinals. Uh, I described Friday as the air just went out of the entire city after that right. ninth inning, and yet in Philadelphia, where you know they boo uh, the Easter Bunny at on an Easter egg hunt. If he doesn't get enough eggs, <laughs> they got There's a euphoric feeling in Philadelphia, I would imagine. Well, it is, and it's 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 the fall, you know. So you got uh, uh, finally Phillies are in October baseball. The Eagles are definitely the number one franchise in this town, and of course they got off to this great start. And um, and so, in fact, there was going to be an issue if we if this if that Cardinal Philly series went to the uh, you know, Sunday, uh, you know, what was going to happen between, you know, watching the Eagles in the late game and the Phillies, you know, <laughs> with, with MLB, you know, when would they put the, the, the time and all that? But uh, luckily we took care of business on that. But yeah, it's just fun for any, any community. When you have four franchises here, it, it, it keeps shifting and shifting and shifting and to, you know, to the seasons. Um, and when it's good, it's, there's nothing better. And this city gets maligned, Kevin, it really, it, 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 the cheap shots from the national media uh, about the fandom, 
you know, listen, these, this is a blue collar town. They just want you to give an effort and they can see a phony a mile away and, and, and they call you out on it. And they, they're the opposite of what goes on in, in some of these towns, you know, where they're just going to follow, you know, blindly. And uh, so when you're good and you're winning, oh my God, it, it's, it's just amazing. It's just it's and, just tremendous. And, and now we have to convince those Philadelphia citizens to do the same thing politically that they do sports-wise. Call it out well, when you see it rather than be a sheeple. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, the city itself is it's, it's a mess because that's a whole other, another discussion, Kevin. <laughs> we got a guy running for a state senator that uh, that it looks like a hood. He, he <laughs> I, And people will vote for him, and he may win this thing, and it, you just shake your head because – that is a whole nother argument. Kevin, we don't have enough hours in a, in a day to have that show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we, we were talking about Hertz a minute ago, and I wanted to add another thing to his resume. This guy's a winner, and I don't know that you can ever uh, underestimate that or even value it as highly as you should. Um, you are a self-made success. Uh, Jim Crane in Houston, the owner of the Astros, is a self-made success. He told me once that he hires as many ex-athletes as he can because they're competitive and they know right. how to win. And in a guy like Hertz's case, it's all he's ever done is win. Yeah, there's you can't put a value on that, and and just that, like in the in the business world, and I thank you for the compliment, Kevin. But it's I'm not the smartest guy in the world. You know, Hertz isn't the best player in the league. He's he's, not, he's just the guy that gets it and and accentuates his positives and and fills in with his with his negatives. And that's what it's all about. It's it's about you know knowing where you're at and and who who you're with and. And then you build a team around it. And that's what makes him tremendous. He, you know, he, he works at it. Nobody works harder than this kid. Uh, he's like the first one in the locker room. And, and when uh, players come in, he's the first one. Like, And again, to step into such a toxic situation, I'm saying Wentz completely mishandled this whole thing. It was terrible. He could have been, some guys would have wilted with that. But he just kept his mouth shut. He goes, I'm going to be the best I can be. And he wasn't that good in the beginning. He knew he had to get better get coached up but guess what kevin he listened to the coaches yeah and, and he worked at it and oh he can't we know he can run but he can't throw of course he can throw you know and now he can't throw he can't do this he can't react those that you know he can't process anything well, well he's processing pretty good so, <laughs> um and and who knows where this thing will go but uh, he's a good kid and and uh, you, you pull for that and uh, and again a coach's kid to me he checks so many of the boxes that you had to give him a shot because the hard part is the character part. The easy part, you know, you know, athletics, the, the quality, you know, the great athlete. Athleticism is a dime a dozen, but heart and soul and work, ethic and all that, that's not a dime That's right. Dozen. And you can't coach it. You either have it or you Man, don't. You can't coach that up 100%. And, you know, you talk about how Hertz was willing to listen and willing to learn under his coaches. Troy, my son, pointed out to me the other day something that, that I never really considered, but it does seem to be true with Tom Brady. He said, sometimes Tom is not so coachable. He said he doesn't like to be coached, and I see that. I, I think I saw that last year in New England. That's why he was upset there, I think, because he was getting into sideline arguments or helmet-throwing arguments with coaches. And right. I think that that is a problem sometimes. You become so good and so successful that you don't, want to be, you don't think you should ever be coached again. And it's showing yeah. up now in Tampa. Now, obviously, he's got the distraction of the divorce, apparently. Uh, yeah. God, I tell you what, anybody who's ever been divorced, 
multiply it by one million times, and oh, you'll understand God. what Brady's going through. <laughs> because oh, I, I, I can't even imagine how, how much. We're all part of that club, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, right. that's right. But I can't imagine the, the kinds of things, that the, the finances and everything else that they're doing with oh. property. Oh, my God. Yeah. And you can say, we'll just let the lawyers handle it, but – it's still it's still on his mind, you know that. Not uh, not just the emotional part, but all the other stuff. I can't see any way Tampa Bay wins this year. Not in a million years. No, no, they, they, that was a good window. The, even the surrounding talent is, and that's getting back to the Eagles' chances. You know, this is a good time, especially in the NFC. There really isn't now. The Cowboys are coming up because they weren't the, the preseason darlings. But in the beginning, it was the Packers. It was Tampa Bay. It was the Rams. It was. You know, and I kept saying, them nah, Rams are going they're not going to, uh, you know, repeat it. It's almost impossible. And they built their team for a one out anyway. Um, yeah, they by, did. By, you know, trading all their draft picks, you know, and, you know, the Packers, they keep shooting themselves in the foot, you know, and, <laughs> and then trading all the, all these players and you go down the list. And so the Eagles are that upstart. That's why they got a good shot at this thing, uh, because I think it's down. Yeah, she's got a few more loaded teams. And, but, you know, hey, that's what you got to do is, just like the Phillies are showing, get in the playoffs, man, and then anything can happen. And if you're a good team, and, and the Eagles are a really good football team, um, and as they keep going, um, they got a, just a good mix of vets and um, and, and young guys, and uh, it's 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 fun to watch. Yeah, it really is, and they're fun to watch. The Phillies are fun to watch right now. I, I've been frustrated as a baseball fan watching the Phillies all year because of that streaky hitting. I'd look at their yeah. lineup and I'd say to myself, how are they not scoring six runs a game? Oh. Especially in Citizen Bank Park, you know. Right. And, you know, you think it, it, it's, it's, yeah, but, you know, and what it, a lot of that, Kevin, is to do with, uh, with, you know, the, the way these players approach it, you know, it's all about getting, you know, hits and, and not striking and, and striking out is not a big deal. You and right. I remember an era where striking out was, was unacceptable. Huge. Right. You know? and, and now it's just like, so they're all prone to that, you know, and then that's what makes watching baseball today hard for me because it's all about that. But, that's, again, a whole other argument. That's it right. It is what it is. You and I are going to change that. That's right, baby. Hey, I've kept you a long time. I really appreciate it, John. It's always great catching up and talking all things Philadelphia yep. because right now it's a good time to be a Philadelphia sports fan. Well, if we can advance, Kevin, then you can call me or set up a time. I'll come back and I'll give you the good – you know, a good pulse of what's going on in this city. Because I'm telling you, if the Phillies and Eagles both keep rolling along, it's going to be a lot of fun here. It sure will. John, thanks so much for the visit. Have a great one, Kevin. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. That's Philly John. He knows all th- – he's a great sports fan, as you can tell. Philadelphia folks are great sports fans. And they will, they're not afraid to question things. And here in St. Louis, we uh, – our fans are so petrified. Uh, and, if, and if you dare – then you're ostracized. I get it all the time. Well, you're just not a Cardinal fan, or you're just not a Mizzou fan. Well, actually, I'm more of a fan than you are. I actually care about them winning when you don't. You know, that's the difference. I care about them winning so much that I'm saying, hey, here's what's wrong with them. It's pretty obvious. Make some changes. But you're content to glorify Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols. People in this town are happier that those two got a hit in their last at bat then they are sad about losing the series. That's bizarre. That's a bizarre kind of hero worship that I've never seen before. And, of course, the media coddles along and oh, they worship. They fall right at their feet. John's right. That's why Philly fans gave the double-barrel middle-figure salute to Cardinals, the best fans in baseball, the way they 
treat Roland when he came. Oh, you know, that's how Cardinal fans are. You know, we're the greatest. We love our players. In other words, we ignore when they're not very good. We just worship them. That's a dangerous position to be in. All right, folks, we're going to wrap it up for today. We thank Philly John for visiting with us. That was a lot of fun. And we'll be back fighting a good fight again tomorrow morning for you right here on KevinSlaytonShow.com. KevinSlaytonShow.com is where the live show is, as you well know. But the podcast is everywhere, right here, of course, on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, Anchor, and any other fine places to listen to podcasts. Love you, Mom. Love you, Dad. Love you, Maureen. So long, everybody. (laughs) 